Hey guys, this is Jesus, and I want to say before we start out that if you like the content we give you here, please consider giving a little money our way to our Patreon. The extra money gives us a chance to go to cons, buy books from RPGs, and do other stuff that you might enjoy listening and or reading and or watching. Anyway, I want to thank the following Patreon listeners. Memno Chas, Jeffrey Voss, Brownie Davis, Andrew Hanks, Adam Bueller, H.P. Lovecraft Live, Matt Lowry, David Bellinger, Warren Cummings, and Nathan Aldana. Thanks for helping us make war 40,000 years in the future. There has been a bit of a... Um... Phone. He's totally the guy who would get a text during this fucking meeting. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's been a, a bit of a... Oops, sorry, my servo skull is telling yep, me yep. this. No he, no, he would go like, he look at it and just hold up a finger. Yes? <laughs> <laughs> Captain, that's a power move. <laughs> Maybe he does why, deserve why, the chain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why isn't the phone on the chain? <laughs> oh, Captain, he's the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Space Wolf of Wall Street. There's a fucking 40K show on <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Fanable Actual Play Podcast, and we're here to play, I believe it's uh, Warhammer 40K? That can't be right. Oh. Glory. What year what is it? Year is it? <laughs> Let's <laughs> do the time warp again. I mean, it's been, like, it's been like 10 years since we played. What reason could we have for me to inflict Warhammer 40K on my favorite people? What reason, what glorious, glorious reason there could there be? Because it's been about 10 years since David joined us. We're recording this oh. like a week after his anniversary. No, oh, fair. well, that's hey, fair. happy anniversary to David, guys. Yep. Hey, happy thanks, anniversary. guys. Anniversary. Happy Glad yeah, you guys all got <laughs> together yep, for yep, my anniversary. Yeah, yep, that's. I'm sure that's important, but this feels like there's a... There's another reason that's just just Dan got big. a new apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, yeah, that's, nice. that's, Dan. That, that, I, I guess yep. that's also important. That's true. But you know what? I can't help but Billy got a great haircut. Billy looks fantastic. Yep. Yep. Angela's a mom. <laughs> Mothers are so important. I've heard. And and guys and guys, I, mm -hmm. I think we're all forgetting the major announcement today. Uh today's birthday is Franklin D. Roosevelt's. He was born oh Monday, January 30th, 1882. So thank you. Uh, we owe him our uh, a great national mm -hmm. debt. Mm -hmm. I mean, without him, we really wouldn't be doing this podcast if we think mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, this one's for All you, Frankie. To celebrate. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. 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 And FDR. And FDR. Double billing. Happy birthday to you. Yes, well, it's equally okay important. Birthday with the president. It's fine. It's guys, fine. guys, congratulations. Uh, you're older, you're wiser, you're more beautiful than ever. And Jesus, we love the fact that you're here with us today on your birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank Peace. you very much. You could be out doing things. I could be. Could he, though? I, I could. Not without me dropping a dime on him. Oh, wow. <laughs> you also share a birthday with Phil Collins. <gasps> Ooh. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. <laughs> That's Phil Collins, right? Yeah, that is. No. Yeah, that is. Oh, yeah. and Gene Hackman. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You got a couple people in here. Who would have thought? And Boris III of Bul Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, but that dude. What the movies did he make? The Butcher of Ivan Springs. And uh, George Bass. Back to the game. 
So, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're playing Warhammer 40K. And the setting for this particular game is the setting from the main book, the Gilead system. The Gilead system, at least three or four years ago, was the apple of the eye of this particular sector of the galaxy. One of the most prosperous systems with numerous hive worlds pumping out resources for the rest of the, of the sector and the rest of the Imperium, full of culture, it has a shrine world, it has a forge world, it has a hive, hive worlds. It was, at least in imperial terms, a place of beauty. And then something happened. A couple of years ago was the birth of the Selectrix Maledictum. The split in the Imperium, the split, a warp split within the galaxy to split the galaxy effectively in half. One side has Imperial Light, the other side does not. It's full of dangers and chaos. But one particular system, the Giliad system, had it worse than most. For effectively, it is surrounded what is, by effectively what is a warp storm storm. The entire system, the entire solar system is cut off from the rest of the Imperium. And that has been the way of things for a while. Three years of just wondering what's going on. Will we, they ever hear of the Imperium again? Wondering if it's the end times? Wondering what's going on? And except for one or two hints that the wider Imperium is still alive and around, there's a time of uncertainty. But this story is not about the overall Gilead system, although that may come later. This story is about one lone frigate-class ship. A smaller frigate-class ship, technically the smallest class of ship in the Imperium, but still a noble vessel, called the Shadow Labyrinth. Sit right back and you'll hear a tale. (laughs) (laughs) And the ship zooms in through space to view this massive, well, tiny ship by Imperial standards. Only about 1.5 meters, uh, kilometers uh, long, or about a mile for our Imperial listeners. Uh, And you go inside, go through the numerous corridors. We first go into the engineering deck with the numerous Geller fields and other important artifacts of the ship necessary for its function go in and we spy one particular tech adept running, going through some of the systems, trying to make sh- see if there's any irregularities he needs to handle. What is this particular person doing and who is he? Uh, the person in question is, hey everybody, this is Dave, by the way, uh, playing a brand new character. Uh, the person in question is tall. Uh, about six and a half feet, uh, six and a quarter, and is draped in gray and brown rags and in, in cloaks. One could, you could charitably call them robes, but they seem stitched together. And on the shoulders hang different prayers that are in uh, binary uh, from pieces of paper that have been stapled into them. And underneath the uh, the robes they encompass the entire body and there doesn't seem to be any walking of feet there's a gentle gliding but the gliding comes with a skittering underneath and the hands that reach out are a combination of uh, flesh and uh, flesh and and mechanical bone and cybernetics and the flesh itself is in fact stitched together there is no one particular skin tone for the flesh. It is Frankensteinian in its design. It has been pieced back together clearly uh, from various sources. 
and there is no sort of, as the camera pans up, there is a hood that is pulled back, revealing a androgynous uh, human's face to be very kind about its structure. It is what you would see if, if you describe to an alien what a person's skull looked like, and they tried to reproduce that with metal or Legos. That's what is in front of you. It is primarily a metallic structure, again, with pieces of skin that seem to have been hastily glued on that offer the necessary attributes for one to be able to emote or seem human adjacent. And the rest of him is very, shall we say, Robocop without the armor. And uh, they uh, have puffs of hair amongst the top and mismatching eyes and a mouth that has metallic teeth uh, and a nose that is slightly out of place. But aside from that, they look kind of human and they are currently tapping away at a tablet furiously as there is a spray of steam behind them that covers them entirely. And as they struggle, they're blown away by the steam. And as that happens, steam appears, collects on the lens of the camera. And it says, Explorator Qantas currently occupied. And it is wiped away as he springs back into the scene, wiping everything away, and then takes a takes what looks like a fire hose and starts spraying holy steam <laughs> against the other steam and screaming like Aah! and then it breaks off into that uh that weird neo just went into the matrix like a rattle of binary <laughs> yeah and the camera zooms off almost in embarrassment away <laughs> and goes through numerous corridors into one of the larger sections of the ship a, wi a wide open space full of numerous what looks like uh, toughened men and women Obviously, some sort of security or guards in what looks like in some intense, intense strategy. Some of them fighting each other. Some of them running around, running around in circles, doing push-ups, all of that stuff. A relatively small number, about 50 or 60. They're doing their time while the rest of the crew, of the rest of the soldiers, only about three, 300 to 350 uh, men and women across the ship maintaining order. Seems like a large number, but barely enough to basically keep order in a ship holding 15,000 people. And the one in charge of training, making sure everyone is do doing their part, is Angela. I have to follow up fucking David's introduction. <laughs> I don't even remember what she I'm looks like. <laughs> <laughs> She's a tall Victorian lady. <laughs> Eight pants over to a to a <laughs> pants over to a section of coat racks. <laughs> Your move, listeners. <laughs> All right. The uh, the woman that is leading this understaffed band of security uh, people is, uh, she is a, a taller woman. She is outfitted in some very imposing armor. And uh, it's it's probably not the, the shiniest of armors, I uh, yeah we've been we've been cut off for a little while so it's beginning to show its wear. Uh, mostly it's been tested in battle, 
So you know, every scrape, every scratch is been you know, won in combat and shows that she does not run from a fight, certainly. And uh, she has um, black hair that has been cut kind of raggedly. Like it's, it's definitely asymmetrical, but not like it was intentionally asymmetrical. It's more like she took uh, the knife that's on her belt to her own hair when it was getting too annoying for her. And as she is pacing back and forth in front of the room, she says to the the gathered uh, security officers, perhaps one day you will be worthy of hunting down the mutineers on this ship. And the uh, camera zooms in on the the badge that is on her chest, which says, Natasevia. Arch militant, Natasevia. Arch militant, Natasevia. The camera shifts to, you know what, Billy, I'm going to let you decide what's happening to Barsher through the corridors of the ship. Hey, everybody, this is Billy. And uh, it starts, the camera zooms away from Natasevia, follows uh, down a corridor, goes down several uh, catwalks, uh, stairwells, until it gets to the bowels of the ship. And uh, there is a group of security individuals angrily firing into the darkness uh, firing at things that shouldn't be mutants that have been long forgotten in the bowels of the shadow labyrinth their own shadows of the shadow labyrinth if you will and as a group of them try to pull in a giant bulkhead to patch up a hole where these beings are being cast they just can't seem to get the, the the bulkhead through the mess of bodies that keep on piling out. There are screeches of anger and hunger, inhuman and human at the same time. You can see the fear on their face as some of the men seem to look like they're just about to give up and run up the stairs to save themselves. But of course, that would just let these mutant freaks into the uh, further into the ship to feed on the uh, citizens. And then suddenly they hear the sound of a engine uh, roaring. It's not so much a roar or a purr. It's it's a gluttonal uh, shriek almost of metal meeting metal grinding against each other. And down the stairs you just see thick legs, green with uneven muscles as they walk down, stomping down. You see each step kind of bulking at each step this thing takes. And suddenly, one giant hand takes hold of the bulkhead and you hear a the voice of an orc scream, You weak little pissheads! Move out of the way! And with a growl of anger, Barsha leans forward and starts pushing against the rising tides of these mutant freaks, each inch being met with a, a mass of bodies trying to just push against this orc's muscles. His muscles rip and stretch and like just kind of, it seems like they just kind of expand over each other as he just keeps on digging deeper into his rage. And he finally presses the bulkhead against the wall Occasionally, his big chopper comes out to slice against some of the arms that are sticking out. And he said, start the weld! And these men run up with these giant welders and starts welding this thing together. And he screams, you want to die today? It's the perfect way to die today! 
and it zooms into his mouth and you just see his uh, esophagus like contract and, and then spittle hits the, 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 the camera, the screen, and it spells out Barsha. And then there's a hack and, and it's that uh, and some like slobber hits it again and it says the Barsha. <laughs> and then it zooms away. And zooms up the uh, zooms up the stairs away from this battle of of uh, muscles and monstrosity. So the camera shifts from the bows of the ship up through the numerous corridors, through the the 1.5 kilometers of ship, through new, through all past all the doors, past all the thousands upon thousands of members of the ship, each one necessary to keep this massive vessel going towards the bear, the command center of the ship. Uh, a largest room full of maybe 10, 20, 30 people, all of them on, on numerous councils walking around, looking at various points of data. And sitting in the very center in a high, uh, what looks like a high column, and on top of that column is a beautifully crafted chair. That's a little worn with time, that hasn't been much time to clean it or anything because of the stress of going back and forth from each planet, trying to make barely enough to make sure that this ship is maintained is a certain individual. Dan? Uh, so on that uh, shabby, if still the most impressive thing on this ship, uh, throne sits a, a man, a tall man, uh, wearing the... I guess the the, the, the I mean, look, look look at the cover of the book. It's it's that guy, you know. It's 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 the uh, at least the old book. I haven't looked at the new one. I, I have no idea what's on the cover of the new book. Uh, but it's it's he is that stereotypical sort of rogue trader looking uh, guy. He's got the hat. He's got the coat. He's got the the uh, sort of noble features and the and the stern expression as he looks off into the distance. Um, sort of thoughtfully um his eyes focused on nothing in particular just just gazing off into the void as if he's clearly engrossed in the very deepest of thoughts as of course every single life on this ship uh, depends on his on his every whim and he feels the weight of each and every single one of those lives on his broad strong shoulders you there you down there yes you you yes nope stop looking at the screen look at me yes sir yes sir yes Yes, you yes yes why and consider your answer very carefully why has no one brought me a drink yet you did you request a drink sir I now 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 and he he leans forward his his steepling his hands now I, correct me if I'm wrong here, I'm the captain of this ship, yes? You are, sir. You are, sir, yes. Good, good. My every whim is to be to be followed immediately, correct? Yes, yes, sir. Good, good, good. Okay, so we, we are, we're all on the same page here. Now here, here's where we diverge, for you see, my whim is to have a drink in my hand. But look at my hands, they are empty. Yes, sir. I, I, they are empty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet there you sit doing nothing, just bobbing your head like some kind of idiot. So, 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 should, 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 should I get a, a, a drink for, for you, sir, sir? Well, look at this one. Look at the initiative. Look at the initiative on this one. Everybody else, what's, what's your name? Don't t- care, t- don't care. I, uh, I just, 
Make it happen. Uh, y- yes, yes, sir. And he just rushes off. <sighs> it was so difficult being the only capable person on this ship. And as as that guy rushes off, uh, you hear uh, one of another one of your minions to your left goes, uh, "Excuse me, uh, Captain." Ah, yes. Have you brought my drink? Uh, no. That that was uh, Tibran, sir. He's going to get your drink. Uh, I'm I'm Jeron. Uh, anyway, sir. Uh, you there's apparently a message uh, for you. That uh, should I uh, should I put it on the main hollow uh, lift? I'm just going to stare at you until you make that happen. Uh, yes, sir. And he presses a button. The camera zooms towards the middle of the ship, well, further ahead of your chair, and inside, inside is some sort of like a some sort of cylinder. And out cops pops out like sort of like in um, Star Wars, where the the way the videos are played, like with Princess Leia's message. But this is sort of a green tint to it. And hologram? in front of you, hologram. Thank you. Words. Careful. Hologram. Careful. <laughs> Hologramicus, because it has to be Warhammer 40k. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Hologramicus, the saint, the saint of moving image. And uh, on pops a uh, familiar image, Renan. Uh, you know personally as a shortish, uh, lightly tanned woman with reddish hair, uh, floating there. Uh, she has her familiar data slate in her hand. Uh, doc- uh, rogue traitor Renaldo Macarius? Yes. Yes, yes. indeed. Yes, uh, you're, thankfully you're close enough for a, uh, for a message. Uh, it has been requested for you for you to go to uh, G- Gilead Primus to speak with uh, Jekyll Varonius. Jekyll Varonius, my good friend. Varonius. Yes, yes, he requests you uh, attend to him as soon as uh, you're uh, capable. Well, once they bring my drink... <coughs> coming, sir, coming! I'll see what I can do about that. Very well. He'll be expecting you soon. Right, right. All right. Click, click. Now, this is what you know about Jekyll Varonius. Basically, when this entire system was closed off about three years ago, there was, well, not actual chaos, but chaos uh, in the in the regular sense. People wondering what's going to go ahead. Is it the end times? Whatever. And like you, like everyone else, uh, were basically had no idea what you were going to do. And at the time, there were many people who were eyeing you. Basically, because you are from a relatively minor rogue trader dynasty, and you are the minorest of the minor of the nobles of that minor dynasty, and you had a ship, and many people thought, well, if there was no one from the family that would going to have a problem, I mean, someone might have had an accident, and now we have a ship. And that would have been a problem, except a year into this, this system's exile from the rest of the Imperium, a flotilla of ships were able to safely navigate through the corridors of the warp. The only ones that have successfully done so so far, and they were part of the Veronius Ver- Ver- dynasty, a flotilla of ships, and the head of it, of course, was ja- was of course Jekyll Veronius. Basically, mentioning like I've able to get through. Maybe the re- basically saying this to the rest of the people in the system. I was able to get through. I tried my best. It was a trying time, but <sighs> I believe with faith in the emperor. And belief, any of us can reach it. Soon the Imperium will come. But until then, I, rogue traitor, Jekyll Varenius, will make sure my flotilla is here to protect all of your ships. If you will trust me to do that. And of course, because of the hope that he brought, he sort of became the national hero for the system. And basically a lot of the, uh, he's gained a lot of trust since then, at least from some parties. And a lot of his 
his advice has been held true so far. So he's a person with a lot of influence. And because of his influence, you know for a fact that he personally made sure that you were safe from the prying eyes of individuals that would have taken your, well, ship and everything you owned. Which you, you're going to be 100%, you don't want to admit this fact that he probably saved your ass. Oh, yeah. yeah. I and, would never admit that to anybody, yeah, except yeah. maybe him, and only and, in private, but... Yeah, and the way, and he also said, like, you know, if you, at some point, I may, may or may not ask for a favor from you, uh, Ronaldo, if you're inclined, subtly saying, you're inclined, you're yeah, going to do yeah. it. Understandable. Yeah. And he has sent you off to do random stuff, pick up this, do that, and you have done it. But, and, but nothing major yet. So fetch quests and the occasional, um, the occasional guide quests, but no forced stealth missions. I assume, exactly. Because we're not very good at that. Okay, exactly. cool, cool, okay. cool, cool, cool. Yep. And yeah, shortly after, uh, presumably once his drink gets delivered, uh, Captain uh, <laughs> His Macarius, are on a, on a golden plate. Uh, a, countless uh, lives are on the line, <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> and, you have, and you have a shot of your favorite whiskey. Yes. Yep. <sighs> right. Why is this ship not currently on the way to meet my good personal friend? Because <laughs> you sent your navigator to get you a drink. <laughs> <laughs> And the navigator who's gotten you a drink goes back and starts pressing buttons to initiate the charge. Good. Yep. And then he leans back and lets it happen. Yep. And you guys start heading off towards the planet. Jilius, Jiliad Primus. Sorry. Quick question. David, first year. Um, uh, do we still require – do we require a psychic navigator no. to – we don't. You do not. You are stuck in a system. So everything is sublight travel. At least for right now, there is no warp travel that you have to worry about. Hallelujah. Good. Cool. <laughs> good. Good to know. Good to know. Yep. Yep. So basically, it's going to be because you're not too far out. It'll take a couple of hours to travel to the planet. So if you want to do anything before you head over there, let me know. Uh, as we um, start heading off towards this meeting place with uh, the captain's really good friend. Real good friend. Uh, Captain, you hear suddenly down the corridor the sound of a boisterous voice. Uh, And you know it's singing, though it does sound like it's like a war cry slash, you know, baby tantrum. And kicking open the door in excitement is... Barcer to Barcer, who immediately slings a half torso of a mutant in front of you before raising his uh, chain sword in excitement and just, you know, letting it rip his big choppa in excitement and letting it rip a few revs before looking at the captain. It's been completed. They tides of flesh and mutants tried to get here, sir, but Barcer wouldn't let him. <laughs> Why isn't the captain drinking? Where's this captain's drink? And, and then, of course, there's another rev of the choppa if I spin around, glaring at the people who would dare insult my captain for not getting, by not giving him an alcoholic beverage. Ronaldo, you suddenly notice the navigator who gave you a drink has suddenly disappeared, and, and you hear rushing someone else trying to get you a drink. <laughs> And uh, Ronaldo uh, looks down, you know, for, for, uh, uh, to Barsher from his, uh, you know, his throne thing. It's like, this, this is why you're my favorite. Oh, now, yeah. now, look at that. Let's. Uh, he kind of leans over to see that half torso. Like, well, it's, uh, what have you dropped here at my feet? Uh, well, is that appears to be a mutant. 
It was one of the biggest mutants. It, it was, at the time, it was four of them together, but I got them down to that size. Excellent, excellent. Somebody clean that up, please. Somebody, you, you over there. I'll get them up, sir. Thank I you. just realized that Barsha is not a mushroom. He's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Look at the thing I killed. <laughs> Oh, dot. Oh, God, the red dot. <laughs> Just starts slamming against the wall, screaming. <laughs> the only difference is he didn't leave it next to uh, the captain's bed for him to step on when he wakes up. No, no, I said he's, this was only half. Before, oh, yeah. that's true. That's true. <laughs> like, yeah, the other half. The other half is just laying there. <laughs> oh, Bosher. Yeah. It, cut, it cuts to a couple of soldiers standing around the half of a mutant corpse to- do you want to clean it up? He said not to touch it, but we're not going to fucking touch it. <laughs> <laughs> just one guy with the broom there waiting like an <laughs> honor guard just ready. <laughs> so, Captain, did, did, did I serve, did I serve the Horde delightful like? You always serve the Horde. In the most most delightful ways. I mean, <laughs> look at that. It's it's just it's 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 all over the place, really. Can, can can I have its teeth? I I'm surprised you didn't take them already. You know all teeth. Anything you kill, you get to keep the teeth. That's that's the way this works. Of course, the chopper comes down immediately. It removes its head and he gr- and he holds it up and just like lets out a roar that seems to sit- shake the consoles. And he's like, "Oh, I'm so excited!" <laughs> All right, now go, 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 go. Make sure make sure those teeth are with the rest of the collection. <laughs> okay, very well. And he like turns around, like almost colliding into the guy carrying the the. The the whiskey do, doesn't even seem to notice him, and he just continues marching down this hallway, his entire bulk practically taking it up. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along this adventure, he'll get back to his room, uh, and he just throws the skull on top of, like, the pile of skulls that he has collected. All mutants. Uh, it's And as he looks towards the, 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 the pile of skulls, there's a big old grin on his face. But then he just... Looks at them all, notes that they're all kind of the same shape, size, and there's a little bit of a frown that develops. And then he just comes down with his fist and hits the top of the skull, shattering it, brain matter going everywhere. And he just says, (laughs) stupid skull, that's why I'm the big (laughs) barsher. And then he, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's good to have you back, buddy. It's good to have you back. I never thought I would miss right. his character. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So yeah, now he, he's playing with his skulls. All right. So yeah. So eventually, you go to a low orb. Uh, you go to orbit around the the Gilead Primus. Take a sh- and start taking a shuttle down towards one of the top of one of the hives of that particular planet. It Gilead Primus is a massive hive. Uh, well, world with numerous hive cities across it, housing about oh a small number of about ten billion. And as you go through uh through a floating above the toxic clouds that make up any natural uh, hive city hive world, you go to one of the top towers where you know that Jekyll Jekyll lives. You go to slowly dock. You see the numerous uh, guns slowly aiming towards you, but not shooting, of course. But still focused on you, just in case. You can never be too sure. As you go on this, one of the small uh, docking pads, 
Now, you know that... Uh, question. I'm gonna, go ahead. Uh, who's on the shuttle? That's a question. I assumed you four. But... Yeah. Yep, oh, so no, no. I'm, I, I would like <laughs> to be out of this game as yep. quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming yeah. you four and uh, basically the people necessary to run the shuttle. Okay. I was just making sure okay. that we're all there. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, our first if assuming. this is anything like the first iteration <laughs> of this game, none of us can pilot a fucking <laughs> So I'm going to say, yeah, you, there's there and there is a, you have a menial there to basically pilot the ship for you. And as you go into Duckyard, you do know that you have special permission to bring over Barsha the Barsha, although he's not allowed in the main city pri- primary, the, ma- the rest of the Hive City, because, well, Imperial Van, they would kill him instantly. But at least, at least when in Jaquel's presence, at least, and especially in the high tower, he's allowed to be there. And it also adds Where to the... Could do the most yeah, damage. Well, honestly, it adds to the... Uh, what's the captain's name's Rog? Hmm? Ronaldo. The, Ronaldo's... Ronaldo. Yeah, uh, Macarius's kind of epicness because uh, they, they play a little game when they are entering a hive world or meeting these people. Uh, Barsher gets to wear the second-in-command collar. And much like all humans, uh, uh, the captain holds the chain to the collar. <laughs> <laughs> and if he releases it, Barsher gets to go insane and kill everything <laughs> as per second in command. <laughs> yeah. I love this you, so much. <laughs> you just described Jet Li's Unchained, which is one of the best fucking films I've ever seen in my life. I'm I'm into it. In this re in this remake, I am being played by Jet Li. <laughs> oh my god, I love that so much. Jet Leon, like multiple stilts. So you guys slowly get out, get out of the shuttle. You see, of course, a couple, naturally, a couple of guards. Uh, actually, Tempestus Scions, elite uh, troopers, like uh, around the docking port. Some of them you can even know with their elite training, kind of look askant at uh, Barsher, but they don't do anything. And basically, you walk down the corridor. You walk uh, into the main hive. Barsher thinks it's because they're afraid of the chain. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> None of them wear change because they ain't second in command. <laughs> and yeah, you go and you basically go inside that upper tower and go through numerous corridors. And you go into, as you're heading there, you see uh, Rena, the, the shortest, lightly tan skinned uh, red haired woman. Uh, she comes, come, uh, walk, starts to walk beside you with the data state. Okay, uh, Jaquelli is currently at a meeting right now, but he will see you in about uh, 10-ish minutes. You can please wait in the side room to the corner over there and uh, enjoy your stay. Have uh, free uh, snacks and uh, whiskey, except for the red whiskey. That's his pers- for his personal collection. Thank you. And she just turns away to the left. <sighs> well, they did say snacks. And there is some some snacks, some damn good snacks. <laughs> These are the finest corpse crackers. I was just going to say, remember <laughs> when we were like, "Oh, we have to eat the the dead bodies," and it's like, "No, that's what you've been eating." I think that's where we stopped this game. I think we we're just like <laughs> corpse crackers were where we broke. Yeah, <laughs> we were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember like some listeners were like, "Yeah, duh, corpse crackers." <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. Why did you expect us to read the book on this game we've been playing for a year? <laughs> Yeah, we go into the so it shows us in this little uh, waiting area, and there's like snacks, and there's Barsher, of course, on his change, and he has like a little plate in his hand, and he's looking over and picking over some of the food, and then he just shoves the plate into his mouth and starts chewing, and then tosses the food away. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> he does have the best, really. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, uh, the captain looks over at uh, Natasaria and Qantas. 
Go on, please. It would be rude after all to not really indulge in what he's offering. Not to Sevilla is standing by the, the door with her arms crossed. We cannot trust anything. Fair enough, fair enough. I, however, will have another one of these. I don't know what it is, but or who it was, really, but um, <laughs> delicious, though. <laughs> Qantas carefully takes a little bite of something like a finger snack, <laughs> puts, puts it into his mouth, <laughs> chews it for a moment, and then swallows it, and you can distinctly hear it pass down through his esophagus into some chamber into his stomach, in which case you're like, tss, <laughs> as it's incinerated immediately. <laughs> Oddly enough, the same thing happens with Barsher. <laughs> <laughs> and after a couple of minutes, uh, the massive door opens, open, of course, by uh, two servants. And in walks the confident Jaquel Varonius. Jaquel Varonius is a very tall, very well-built, dark-skinned man with uh, beautifully crafted uh, braids that go down to his shoulders. Uh, you see his, of course, his fa- two aspects that are famous for him. First off, his chest plate was, of course, in the shape of a Im- uh, imperial cathedral, uh, beautifully crafted with like beautiful stained glass across the chest in- with images of the emperors fighting demons. And, of course, his famous uh, on his left pa- uh, pauldron is are these uh, all eternally lit candles. And, of course, to his to on that same side is a servant that is there to always replace the candle when it gets too low. I'm sorry, I know I'm a fanboy of Marvel and a nerd, but if we're not going to get him in another movie, can he be played by Michael B. Jordan? He is now Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> oh, that's, like, that, like, that's beyond confident. That's just like everyone's like. <laughs> and, he's, and he's, he steps in with a big, uh, massive smile and is with, uh, across his uh, beautifully crafted beard. And actually his beard is also, is also co- sort of braided, but into like these two massive braids that goes down to like halfway down his chest. Um, at the end of the chest, and at the end of these two beads, well, golden beads. Ronaldo Macarius, my Jacquel. friend. Hey, hey, it's wonderful to see you again. <clears throat> yep, he goes in to give you a massive hug. Yep. How are you Likewise. this fine day? Well, as, as, as amazing as I've ever been. Have you, you've met the rest of my crew, of course. Oh, many, many times. Barsha the Barsha, still killing mutants in the... Still killing mutants, I see. Uh, yeah, don't you want to make something out of it? You, Barsha, never. I can never be second command like you. I can see you still wearing the chain. I mean, I haven't earned it yet, but one day. Well, you're just, you're not so little. I suppose that one day you could be in change if you work up to it. Coming from you, that really hits me right in the heart. (laughs) Like a a bolter shell. (laughs) Not to Sevia. Offer's still open. I need someone of your skill in my employ. I am already employed. Fair enough. And Qantas? <laughs> I'm sorry. Imagine being like Qantas. <laughs> so Ronaldo. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I did not expect anything after the name. <laughs> and Qantas. Arrest this man. We've talked about what he's done. <laughs> I still haven't been able to clean what you did to my bolter. <laughs> and Qantas. Still in charge of the engineering of your vessel and still running to tip-top shape, I'm assuming. The Omnisire has been very good to us due to a blessed recovery from our latest damage due to those 
unforeseen asteroids. Okay, mm-hmm. watch out for those asteroids. They just come out of nowhere. Yes, space, a void, sometimes has material properties, but technically to the limited imagination of the flesh mind comes out of nowhere. This is why you're not invited to poetry night anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you don't know. People can be like... <laughs> and, and, you, and you see a brief glimpse of, uh, of uh, Jacob going like, still got to work my tech priest game. Anyway, Ronaldo. <laughs> yes. Glad you could make it. Um, so how have you been? Everything all right? No troubles I should be aware of? Uh, none that you should be aware of, no. Okay, fair enough. Ronaldo, I'm sure you're wondering why I called you all the way here, and it's not for just a friendly visit, although one of these days I will have to invite you to one of my parties. I'm looking forward to it. Mm. There has been a bit of a... Um... Phone. He's totally the guy who would get a text during <laughs> this fucking meeting. <laughs> like, there's been a bit of a... Oops, sorry, my servo skull is telling yep, me yep. that. No, he, no, he would go like... he look at it and just hold up a finger. Yes? <laughs> <laughs> Captain, that's a power move. <laughs> Maybe he does why, deserve why, the yeah, exactly. why isn't the phone on the chain? <laughs> oh, Captain, he's the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Space Wolf of Wall Street. There's a fucking 40K show on Ronaldo. Yes. There is a bit of an issue I think you would be ideal for. Hmm. An issue that could possibly lead to a business opportunity. Ah, you have my interest. A business opportunity that needs to kept, be kept in the down low, if you understand. That's my favorite kind. That's where we keep the mutants. <laughs> Are you aware of the issue with Trollius? And, Ronell, I'm going to say you're aware of this. Uh... With the closing of the Gilead system from the rest of the Imperium, uh, there were a couple of things that happened, you know, closing Warp Rift, the odd demon encounter that had to be dealt with. But also two random worlds popped out of the warp and around the outer orbit of the solar system. One of them being Trollius. Trollius is significant for two reasons. Number one... It goes uh, clang, clang, clang. Exactly. Uh, First off, uh, first (laughs) off, it's basically a... It's a it's a f- effectively a hive world hive world that was frozen over, as far as can be said. Uh, all that's known about it is the you fuckers. <laughs> it was such a bad joke, but it's getting real church giggles out of Billy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm real proud. You of it. shouldn't be. anyway. Trollius, <laughs> sorry. Go on. We're friends, listeners. You can tell. Uh, one thing you notice is like it's a world that popped out of the warp to the outer edges of the solar system. All that's known about it is the name, and that's taken from what's uh imperial records that were on some of the ships nothing else about it but it seems to be a was at least formerly a hive world but as can be observed is basically looks like hell frozen over the entire world is a frozen hellscape and from the odd server teams that's arrived there there there's images of random people that were basically look like they were running from something and frozen in place all across the world there have been a few attempts to reach there and there have been as far as you know a few survey teams but anything else about that any other information has been kept hush-hush by any members of the Inquisition that were in the Gilead system. Another thing that you know for sure is that when the world appeared, it crashed into a Eldar craft world. 
And uh, as you know, in Alo Craft World, is one of those mess, massive, essentially world ships of the Eldar that can hold up to millions or even billions of people of Eldar that free float throughout the the galaxy. Uh, basically, uh, this world ship crashed into the planet, and basically they were able to land it somewhat, land slash crash it into the world, and basically survive there. Normally, this. Uh, this uh, the fact that these Eldar on this world would indicate they had to be destroyed because they're evil Xenos they must be destroyed Jekyll was able to sort of using his influence was able to prevent the Eldar there from being wiped out mm. and the, you know the, the and preventing the genocide of several million perhaps billions of Eldar uh, people basically saying like listen the Imperium we're closed off the Imperium we need all the resources we can get and the Eldar are a resource we can help each other for now and who knows what could happen in the future? And there were some people who were not happy about this, especially people in the upper echelons. But like I said, Jekyll had influence. Um, so just like real question, so David can follow up on this. Uh, Trollius is a world that came from the outer edges out of the warp. Yep. Formerly a hive world, now entirely frozen. I wrote down here like Mount Vesuvius. Yeah. Like people are like yeah, exactly. frozen in place. And it crashed into an Eldar craft world? Yep. Well, the, technically the craft world crashed into it. I mean, they were both moving at the same time. Yeah, you get the gist. Yep. Okay, but yep. they're, but it's reasonable to say that they're both somewhat equal in... No. Uh, craft, uh, basically, think of it as just a massive, massive city. But like, oh, the just, craft world is a massive city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holding uh, oh, okay, several cool. million people. Yeah. So basically, it's landed on the planet. The planet is the size of a regular... Think of it as a little larger than okay. Earth. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah it's needed yeah. a scale. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, yes, sir, and all the kind of nods, like, yes, I'm, I'm quite aware. But. Yeah. Now, as you know, uh, we have, we officially have only brief dealings with the Eldar, only necessary to defend the important imperial worlds and, you know, the rifle rules of the galaxy, humanity. Otherwise, we would, and if it wasn't for circumstances, naturally, we would wipe them out because they're evil Xenos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. Yeah. But um, they have... Uh, there has been a issue in the world that uh, some of them have been suddenly messaging me or contacting me to deal with. Now, they haven't asked because they're Eldar and they're arrogant idiots and refuse to ask for help for whatever reason, but they're suddenly suggesting that I send some people over there to help. Now, normally I would send some of my one of my ships, but the thing is my ships are all not EA, uh, are protecting other worlds as the flotilla is too and also they are generally monitored by other forces and if i effectively went over there to help out the xenos uh, it might lower my standing with certain parties and i can't afford that right now however if an individual who one could say owes me a favor or two or many because you know i saved him from possible losing everything becoming a poor man in a gutter and his life um could go over there and solve the issue perhaps that would be ideal and additionally for extra incentive if an opportunity comes from this negotiation i can give this person a split of it if he's interested interesting interesting well if, if this person who, who uh you know, in in theory uh, is uh, owes uh, certain favors was willing to do this uh it, hmm, a split, you say? And what, what, uh, what would be the ratio on this particular split that you well, were thinking there's, of? There's oh, no it's way the to... crack of my ass. <laughs> 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 well, 
which you are kissing. Well, <laughs> well, there's no way to really discuss ratios without knowing what sort of potential profit could be gained from this particular negotiations. You don't know what particular thing they might want to help need help with. You don't know what they would give you in return, if anything. And not to I mention do... the level of risk that might be involved. I mean, risk comes in many forms, my friend Ronaldo Macarius. I mean, life is full of risk. Walking, breathing, stepping into an airlock is full of risk. You never know what could possibly happen. True. I mean, I could, I could right now, for example. Oh no, oh, this chain could almost slip out of my hands. This, <laughs> everything is a risk, really. Jaquel, uh notices that when uh, Ronaldo Macarius makes that motion, <clears throat> Qantas quickly flicks his eyes over everyone who's armed in the room, but doesn't move. It would be like data, sudden, like data in like Star Trek, suddenly note, like doing that, like oh, that's okay, that's a factor. And, and, and Ronaldo goes, my point being, of course, that everything is risk, not just for you know, let's say where I willing to take this job myself, but also to to those uh, around, those those that would uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, uh, be in the way of uh, of uh, receiving the results that I'm sure you're uh, quite eager to to see. Uh, my point being, of course, that well, you're not just asking somebody for a favor, somebody who already owes you a favor, but you're asking quite possibly the best person for the job for this favor. Hence, why well, I believe an equitable split may be something that we should perhaps discuss later over drinks. Give me a persuasion roll. Sure. All right. First roll of the game. Let's see. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. So let me look at yeah, my second roll is going to be firearms. <laughs> persuasion. Okay. So it says. So it says five, and then rating three. What does that mean? Just go. Just pull your total. So my well, my total. So it's it's five plus three. It'd be five plus three. So eight right, dice. So one eight of them dice. has to be a wrath dice. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and the wrath die. Well, All the right. Wrath die. Let's roll it. And and I have that uh that 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 skill thing. Uh let's see. Warrant no, but this is a trade. Uh the warrant of trade. Right. So, so it, it allows me to gain one bonus die to persuasion tests and influence tests to acquire goods and services. Technically I'll, with this I'll count? say I'll say this counts. I'll say this counts. Alright, so one more die. Yeah. I'm gonna guess that this is gonna be more social interaction. I'm gonna run real quick. Okay. Um, I'll be right, right back, y'all. You're gonna come back, and it's gonna be like that scene from uh, uh, from Community. It was just everything's on fire, people are oh, shooting. Fuck yeah, I hope so. Half, half the crew is dead. All right, so I'm rolling nine friggin' dice, and I'll just... say the difficulty because he kind of likes you. He likes yeah. your. So I'll give him difficulty. Uh, let's say simple three. All right, so I want to get three uh, icons or more. Yes, yeah. icons. Why do you call them? That makes no sense. Anyway. Uh-huh. All right, so I've got. Ooh, well, the uh, wrath die is a six. Oh, and uh, so we're, means, we're off to a good start already. That means you get one glory for the group. Yeah. yeah all right. Cool. Uh, and then I've got. So let's see. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. All those are not successes, but I got one, a four, a five, and a six on the rest on the other die. So I have a grand total of five icons. Uh, but wait, total. but two of these are six. So yeah, so that's two of them are basically you have four exalted icons. So I have four so, exalted icons and then two just regular icons. So grand yes. total is six icons. So six icons. So basically, you can two the two regular plus one of the exalted mm-hmm. to to make a sex. That means you have about three 
exalted icons or the special icons to shift. Yes. So with three, I'm going to say, what's one thing you want within reason? Hmm. One thing I want within reason for this. Um, I'm going to say uh, something within reason would be a uh, uh, kind of like uh Right, some. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be something business wise. So it would be like write, write a first refusal for for an upcoming business uh, or a trade lane or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, all right. So he looks at you mm-hmm. over dinner. You say, Andrix. Hmm. And there's a long, long pause. The only sound you hear in that silence is the sound of a servant to a uh, servant on his pauldron. Slowly, try not to ruin the moment, replace the candle. <laughs> and he pauses. <sighs> Fifth generation Ferrum, your favorite wine? Indeed. Very well. We'll set it up for tonight at, uh, let's say, eight. That's perfect. Perfect. My, my, as you know, you can take the usual room. We'll have dinner then and we'll discuss the specifics. Excellent. All right. And yeah, and you guys uh, go to uh, basically the specialty room that for your guests. And I'm going to say like there's no other role playing necessary. Like you have take some time to discuss the, the meeting. And if you guys want to do anything here before we head out. Uh, Barsher has been told to pr- uh, protect a very specific piece of luggage for uh, Ronaldo. It is uh, it's incredibly important and key to their survival. Uh, and he's not supposed to open it or it might escape. So Barsher is protecting this bag that is literally empty. Yes. <laughs> and he is taking it very seriously. No one is allowed in the room and he just stands there all night, glowering at the door, envisioning all the things that might come through to take this captain's key to survival. And after some time, yep, yeah, uh, this next day, you get on the shuttle. Uh, you see a wave from Jaquel after a, a very successful uh, business meeting. Mm-hmm. All right, and you head off to your ship. <laughs> Yeah, so the, the captain's in a, in, a, in a grand mood, and uh, he's like, that was quite profitable, and we haven't even started yet. This is going to be lovely. I mean, we are, of course, we're going to be meeting some Xenos, but and he kind of glances over at Barsha. Filthy Xenos! Exactly. <laughs> <sighs> this is going to be a memorable trip. Not to serve you. Yes, Captain. Now, I'm going to need you to make sure that the entire crew, everybody is on point for this. After all, we are going to be traveling to a Xeno's world. And I understand the, uh, what did we call them again? Crew, right? Crew. The crew is, uh, can get sometimes a little bit nervous around them. So I'll, I'll need you to make sure that they keep their cool. I have only brought my most trusted and competent members of the security detail. As you always do. Excellent, excellent. And Qantas. Sir. You do what you do. Already doing it, sir. That's what I was afraid of. 
Good. <laughs> Fear is an emotion of the flesh machine. One day, you will be rid of it. You will know its absence. And in its place, the song of the Omnisire. <laughs> flesh machine. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I missed this game. Why? I hated this game so much mechanically. <laughs> and yeah, we, we head back to the ship and uh, get ready to uh, blast off again. As we're about to exit the shuttle, Barcher's eyes go wide and he looks around in shame and it goes back to that hotel room that they're in and there is the bag and it's like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> And there's oh no! Follow the awkward pause, and then there's this uh, woman who looks like, "Who put this fucking bag here?" <laughs> and she opens, it and the giant squid thing comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode from the Fandible Podcast Network. If you liked what you heard, please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other network. And don't forget to share your favorite episodes with friends or on social media. Speaking of, you can connect with us on Twitter at Fandible. Find out more about us at Fandible.com and get early access to episodes and exclusive content at our Patreon.